This is episode 254 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are, Florida's Teacher of the Year Bluntly Writes Why School Violence is Out of Control, and How Horrific Will It Be for the Non-Prepper? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Hey, and if you are not subscribed, make sure you do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network, and that way you make sure you never miss another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. So normally I, during lunch, I sit down at my computer and I'm eating lunch and I normally go through news articles and try to catch up on what's going on. Sometimes I go over to the Facebook group and I'm bouncing over to Twitter and and just kind of seeing what's going on. And, uh, but most of the time I'm catching up on news, like, you know, alternative news and things that are going on. Uh, Sometimes I'm not kind of saving articles that I know that I'm going to post on Prepper website. Uh, and those kinds of things. Today, I hit an article by Daisy Luther over at theorganicprepper.com. And, uh, you know, definitely, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I read a lot of her articles, and they're really good good stuff, you know, and I link to a lot of her articles over on prepperwebsite.com. Now, this one is not one that's already been posted on Prepper Website. It is going to be posted tonight. And so, uh, a lot of you know that I record the night before, so this is Monday night. I will be posting this one on Prepper website tonight. And it is about the Florida Teacher of the Year. Uh, and she uh, wrote uh, an article or wrote a, a post on Facebook that kind of went viral. But it kind of reminded me of an article that I read about uh, earlier this week, or I think it was Sunday, Saturday, or Sunday, maybe this weekend, uh, that someone that I know in the district posted and actually I've seen it multiple times, but I saw that she posted it. And so I really kind of wanted to see where, where, uh, you know, she was going with it. Cause I, I really hadn't clicked on this, on this article. And I really thought it was a pro the way that it was, the, the title was, uh, you know, put out there. I really thought it was like a pro second amendment pro gun type article. So I was kind of surprised. Uh, most teachers are very liberal, right? Uh, in in parts of the country now, in in my district and where I'm at, for the most part, uh, we have been very very conservative. Now I see that changing a lot, and so when I saw this, I'm like, okay, I was kind of curious, maybe of, of what was going on because she was putting it out there on Facebook, and a lot of you know, there's a lot of people out there that are you know her friends on Facebook, and, and we have a lot of mutual friends, and so I was just kind of curious of what this article was going to say. And so I, I bounce over there and, you know, the, the pre, I believe it's a woman. She starts out saying, hey, I'm, you know, ex-military, this and that and all that kind of stuff. And then she, you know, she talks about going to the range all the time and that she loves to shoot and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. And then she starts dogging uh, firearms, right? She's like, you know, you don't need an, an AR-15 uh, to go deer hunting, right? You know, you, you can you can have a, a deer rifle and you'll be fine and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, a lot of that, that's just crap. But then she got to the one about, and don't, I don't want to hear about, or something like, dude, I don't want to hear your comments about, you know, fighting a tyrannical government. 
you know, because, uh, you know, all I got to do, or all I got to say is, is, you know, there's uh, attack helicopters out there and grenades and launchers and you're dead. So, uh, you know, the article didn't, didn't really add any value out there other than those kinds of things. Now, it had a lot of hits. It had like 2,000, uh, or not hits, I'm sorry, comments, over 2,000 comments. And of course, the very first one was someone who just like blasting, you know, blasting her uh, on it and, and, and all of that. But the, the whole thing about, you know, uh, the government has so many, you know, bigger, uh, you know, firepower, weapons, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really a stupid argument, right? So it, if, if you thought that way, then the American Revolution would have never happened. Because all those, you know, the heroes of the American Revolution would have said, oh, gosh, England, they're an organized army. They have so many weapons. You know, they have a trained military. They have so many cannons. They have so many ships. Uh, we can never defeat them. They're so big and powerful, right? So we would still be, you know, an English, you know, a, a country of English colonies or whatever, right? That's just that's just so idiotic. Now, contrast this with Venezuela. And, and Venezuela is, is in the news a lot, and I think about it a lot, because they are in a collapse right now, whether... Uh, we we really think of it that way or not. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. You know, I've posted about it. I've written articles about it. I know Daisy has written articles about it. She has a contact who's written articles about it, uh, who lives in Venezuela. And we've read other ones, you know, that this uh, person has written for other websites as well. I mean, they're in a collapse situation. I know some of the videos that I posted were of babies starving to death in, in hospitals of all places, not at home, not in the ghettos, not in, you know, in poor people's homes. They were in hospitals and they were starving to death. People don't have, people that are in hospitals don't have medicine. You know, all they have is like ibuprofen. That's like the, the best medicine. It's like, hey, uh, you feel pain? Here you go. I can't give you anything else. I can't give you IVs. I can't give you any other kind of pain medicine. I can't give you anything to, to, to help you with whatever you're feeling. Here's some ibuprofen. This is, a, this is it. This is all you have. People are dying left and right in, in hospitals. Not, not to mention people are dying left and right because of starvation and stuff like that. You know, one of the things that you see, in, not only in, in uh, that people are starving, not only do they have, they not have the things that they, that they need, and, and uh, not only are they standing in long, long lines, but you have people who are degree professionals who are prostituting themselves, women who are prostituting themselves because they're trying to find any ways to earn enough money to be able to feed their family. I mean, come on, what kind of life is that? And so people there in Venezuela realize that, hey, this is not the way to live. And they see all the elite. The elite are not missing any meals. The elite are not uh, you know, having any issues getting what they want and getting medical care and all that kind of stuff. And so there's been riots. There's been riots. There's been protests, those kinds of things. But when those people go up against the military over there, the military that is better armed and they have uh you know they have riot gear and all those kinds of things and and you know all that stuff right uh people go against them with 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 sticks and stones and and really they can't really do that much to them because they they do have because the military does have firepower that's able to take them down if if need be and so the whole idea of you know what would happen if the people, the population in Venezuela, if they did have firearms 
And when they rioted or they protested or or they were like, hey, we're tired of this tyranny. We're tired of this government. There's no reason why we should be living in this kind of collapse situation. We are a country. of We have oil. We're an oil-rich country. We're a tropical climate. There's no reason for this. And so it's like, you know what? It's time to do something about it and take up arms. But you know what? They don't have it because they've been told that gun control and gun is bad. Guns are bad for you and you can't have it and blah, blah, blah. And so the only people that have it are the military and you can't do anything about it because, you know, that's it. So you come up with your sticks and your stones and they're going to shoot you down. And so that whole argument of, you know, this person that, that blew that, you know, had that viral post or whatever is just blown apart. You know, okay, yeah, so there are some attack helicopters. And, and there are, you know, the military does have some pretty cool firepower and all that kind of stuff. The one thing that a lot of people that have that argument don't really uh, put out is, you know, hey, are, are American military really going to fire are they on their own people when they realize that they're probably uh, protesting and rioting for uh, real reasons, right? Uh, come on. I mean, th- think about it. You know, are, are they going to really turn uh, an attack helicopter on on the citizenry if they are fighting for truth and liberty and freedoms and, and those kinds of things? And so never n- nobody ever brings that up. But even if there was, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of examples that a less superior force is able to best a better superior force. I mean, just look at Afghanistan. You know, they they fought off the Russians for years and years and years. The Russians packed it up and left. And, and, you know, they fought off America years and years and years as well. And to a point, we haven't really eradicated all the all the terrorists and, and all the, you know, the rebels in Afghanistan. And so so that, that article just um, it just really chaps my hide. And it really gets on my nerves when people talk about gun. I don't believe we should have any gun control. I mean, the minute you start with gun control, it's a slippery slope. And I'm just, I'm just afraid that it starts going downhill very, very quickly, right? It's like, okay, so you can make the next uh, jump for this. And you can make the next uh, argument for this and the next argument. And so it all starts going downhill. And I don't think it needs to. It is very apparent when you take guns out of the mix that people that want to do harm are going to find a way to do it. You you can look at England. You can look at some of the terrorism. You know, they get in a van and they do it. Uh, And and they get in, you know, they start using knives in Israel and, and, you know, those kinds of things. And people who want to do harm are going to hurt other people. They're going to find ways of doing that. And so, uh, you know, this, so this kid in Florida who killed 17 people, if he didn't have an AR-15, uh, let's, say, let's say they ban AR-15s, but you can have deer rifles. All right, so he goes in there with a deer rifle, and he's able to load and reload really quickly. Or he goes in there with a shotgun, even if it's a, you know, a five-round, uh, you know, pump-action shotgun, and he's able to take out people and reload very quickly. You know, I mean, come on, get, get, so is, is that, you know, that's the answer right there. You just get rid of all, all the AR-15s and, and AKs and, and all those kinds of guns because, you know, hey, we need to, you know, you, you should only be hunting and they, they come out with something else. They just going to use something else. So anyway, that, all that, and I know I just went really long on that one is just gets on my nerves. And to be honest with you, um, I, I was so ready to start 
you know, typing. I learned my lesson a long time ago on social media. I do not engage in conversations like that because it doesn't. I I have been there myself years and years ago. I learned my lesson where you start, you know, you you drop a comment and then you wind up arguing with someone you don't even really know or someone that you knew in high school. It's like I don't even know what you look like. I couldn't even tell what you look like if it wasn't for your your pictures, right? And it's like, who cares? Why am I losing all this time arguing back and forth with these, you know, with ding-dongs on social media who, who you know, mean nothing to me, right? And I'm getting all worked up about it. So I really use social media, like, especially Facebook. I, I'm really more like pressing out or pushing out information about the gospel. I'm linking to my daily devotional and, and that I do, that I put out, and kind of, you know, doing that. And, and so I really don't engage that way. And I was about to do it this time. And I just, no, don't do it, Todd. And I didn't. Uh, I will I will talk to people. I will, you know, engage in the Facebook group. And even on Prepper website, the Facebook page, I really don't engage too much. I mean, sometimes I do. Uh, if someone gets really crazy, I'll ban them. I don't, I don't have a problem with doing that. But really, you know, when I'm on Facebook, you know, I'm really talking to people on the on in the Facebook group. But, you know, other other places I just don't really uh, take time to engage so much. It's just not it's just not worth it. So anyway, so all of that to say when I saw this article from Daisy, it really kind of, uh, you know, piqued my interest. So I wanted to go see what this Florida Teacher of the Year uh, wrote that uh, about school violence that, you know, went viral out there that everyone was seeing. And uh, man, it, I thought it was so interesting that I wanted to share it with you before even putting it on Prepper website. So let's go ahead and get right into this article. Again, it's from uh, theorganicprepper.com. And the title is Florida's Teacher of the Year Bluntly Writes Why School Violence is Out of Control. Here we go. Kelly Guthrie Rayleigh has been teaching for 20 years and currently educates kids at Estes Middle School in Lake County, Florida. Just last month, she was named the 2007-2018 Teacher of the Year. The day after the horrific shooting that took place at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, she posted a rant on Facebook that has since gone viral. In the post, she talked about parental responsibility, compassion, and respect, and more than 823,000 people have liked the post and agreed with it while more than 649,000 have shared it with others. Here's what Miss Rally had to say. Okay, I'll be the bad guy and say what no one else is brave enough to say, but want to say. I'll take all the criticism and attacks from everyone because you know what? I'm a teacher. I live this life daily, and I wouldn't do anything else. But I also know daily I could end up in active shooter situation. Until we as a country are willing to get serious and talk about mental health issues, lack of available care for the mental health issues, lack of discipline in the home, horrendous lack of parental support when the schools are trying to control horrible behavior at school, oh no, not my kid, what did you do to cause my kid to react that way? Lack of moral values, and yes, I'll say it, violent video games that take away all sensitivity to any compassion for others' lives as well as reality TV that makes it commonplace for people to constantly scream up in each other's faces and not value any other person but themselves. We will have a gun problem in school. Our kids don't understand the permanency of death anymore. I grew up with guns. Everyone knows that. But you know what? My parents never supported any bad behavior from me. 
I was terrified of doing something bad at school, as I would have not had a life until I corrected the problem and straightened my butt out. My parents invaded my life. They knew where I was all the time. They made me have a curfew. They made me wake them up when I got home. They made me respect their rules. They had full control of their house and at any time could and would go through every inch of my bedroom, backpack, pockets, anything. Parents, it's time to step up. Be the parent that actually gives a crap. Be the annoying mom that uh, pries and knows what your kid is doing. Stop being their friend. They have enough friends at school. Be their parent. Being the cool mom means not a darn thing when neither your kid is dead or your kid kills other people because they were allowed to have their space in privacy in your home. I'll say it again. My home was filled with guns growing up. For God's sakes, my daddy was an 82nd Airborne Ranger who lost half his face serving our country. But you know what? I never dreamed of shooting anyone with his guns. I never dreamed of taking one. I was taught respect for human life, compassion, rules, common decency. And most of all, I was taught that until I moved out, my life and bedroom wasn't mine. It was theirs. And they were going to know what was happening because they loved me and wanted the best for me. There. Say that I'm a horrible person. I didn't bring up gun gun control, and I will refuse to debate it with anyone. This post wasn't about gun control. This was me loving the crap out of people and wanting the best for them. This was about my school babies and knowing that God created each one for greatness and just wanting them to reach their futures. It's about 20 years ago this year I started my teaching career. Violence was not this bad 20 years ago. Lack of compassion wasn't this bad 20 years ago. And God knows 20 years ago that I wasn't afraid daily to call a parent because I knew that 9 out of 10 would cuss me out, tell me to go to hell, call the news on me, call the school board on me, or post all over Facebook about me because I called to let them know what their child chose to do at school because they are a normal kid. Those 17 lives mattered. When are we going to take our own responsibility seriously? So what do you think? I would have loved for my children to have been in Miss Raleigh's class because not only is it obvious that she really cares, but also that she has an abundance of common sense, something that has been notably absent in our politically correct school systems. I raised my kids in much the same way as Miss Raleigh refers to having grown up with rules, curfews, and consequences for their actions. My girls weren't totally sheltered. They saw violence on television and in movies, but we discussed it. I taught them empathy for other human beings and all creatures. They, too, have had access to guns and know how to use them. But I've never once been worried that they'd use them on another human being for any other reason than self-defense in a life-or-death situation. Like every other parent, I now worry every time my daughter walks out to the door to attend their college classes. Because honestly, it can happen anywhere. But I sincerely agree with Miss Rally. Guns aren't the problem. The current culture is the problem. What do you think? Share your thoughts in the comments section below. You know, one thing I realized in early on in the preparedness community that uh, there are, you know, the school system is viewed very negatively out there. And, um, you know, that's, that's really hard for me to take. Now, I understand that in other parts of the country and you know, where other people are, school systems are really bad. And uh, I, I completely understand that. I know I just coming from, you know, where I have worked and the schools that I have been involved in, uh, all of them. And I, you know, in my teaching career and my education career, I've been on five different campuses. Um, You know, all the teachers that I ever worked with K 
cared about kids. They truly cared about kids. They tried their hardest. They worked hard. And and as administrators, those teachers who uh, weren't in it for the right reasons, those were pushed out. I mean, we did what we needed to do to, uh, you know, to, to make it uncomfortable for them uh, because, you know, it was supposed to be, uh, we were supposed to do what's best for kids, not what's best for uh, the teacher or what's best for the campus. Uh, we do what's best for kids. And, and sometimes all those things mesh and, and they, you know, come to a convergence. But we always, we always try to do what's best for kids. And so it's really hard when I, when I hear people ragging on, on the school system because I know how hard teachers work. And uh, I know it's not the same in every, in every school system, in every district, uh, all over the country. But, but nevertheless, um, you know, there's a lot of teachers out there that are good teachers. They try really hard and in all, all of that. And they do face a lot of crap. I mean, they do. Some of the things that this teacher was talking about, how parents respond Man, I can tell you stories. I'm not going to tell you stories, but I can tell you stories, you know. And I got to a point where I started documenting my my conversations with parents because some of, sometimes they would come back to to say things that I didn't say, and I had documentation of what was discussed and what was talked about, times and dates and all those kinds of things because it was that. I mean, you're you're in a situation where you're protecting yourself on top of taking care and and trying to educate kids. Now you got to protect yourself against parents who don't want to hear that their kids are, uh, you know, have behavioral problems. So uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot to that. But wanted to share that with you. There is uh, a lot of truth here, and uh, you know, there is an issue there. That was one thing. You know, parents not taking responsibility was a big issue that we always dealt with, and, and behavior was a very, very big issue. Uh, you know, when it when it came down to it. So I uh, wanted to drop that into the podcast today and the um, podcast episodes and uh, see what you think about, uh, you know, education and teachers and and uh, not even all that. Just like, hey, where are we where are we in a culture, you know, as, as a culture? One of the young guys from church posted uh, and you've probably seen it on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, there was a picture of a guy holding a rock and um and, and a Glock, right? It looked like a Glock 19. And uh, the, the caption said something like, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, Cain killed Abel with a, with a rock. It's not a gun issue. It's a heart issue. And uh, you know, t- completely, you know, completely believe in that statement, uh, especially as a believer. And so, uh, you know, the, what, the first person that started responding to him was, you know, started talking, you know, do gun control and like, oh, you know, we got to do something. You know, people have been praying about this and nothing's been changing. We got to do something. We got to act now. And uh, I was just very impressed with this young person. Uh, he just responded with, uh, you know, with, with the love of God on it. You know, he goes, hey, I understand, you know, you you have strong feelings about this. But this post was about, you know, this and this and this and, and not about gun control. This is about a heart issue and about, you know, people turning their lives over to, to Jesus. And, and he just he just was very cool about the way that he did it. And he's a young person. Uh, you know, and I know that I've already said that, but you know, a lot of young people would have just been going after it. Right. Let's, let's just fight. And of course, an- another person right under this, like, so are you for guns or not? <laughs> I'm like, did you not read? You know, like people are just so you know, jacked up. They just want to, you know, they want to fight, you know, and that's where we are right now. That is the, that is the climate. One of the things that I said at church this Sunday, 
uh, when I was talking about it, and we prayed for Florida, and we, we prayed for the families, and and uh, we actually we pray for all schools, right? Because a lot of us have kids in schools, and they are in public education, and and we we pray for them, you know, pray for them all the time. Um, but one of the things that came up, you know, the Bible says that in the last days that you know there will be lawlessness, you know, and so if we are in the last days, which I completely believe we are. And, and things are just going downhill fast. I mean, if we are not in a post-Christian nation, uh, you know, it's anti-Christian, right? I mean, well, maybe I said that wrong. If we're not yet in an anti-Christian nation, we are at least in a post-Christian nation. And, uh, you know, so we know that in the last days there's going to be lawlessness. The Bible says so. And so, you know, it's just going to increase. It's just going to continue to happen. We're going to see more things like this, more evil, more horrors out there, and it's going to break our hearts. And, and you know, those of us that are believers, and if you're listening, you're not a believer, and you might be looking around saying, hey, yeah, I see all this craziness. That might be one reason why you got into preparedness. But let me tell you, there's uh, there's more than just the physical preparedness. There's that spiritual side of preparedness as well, because there's more to uh, to life than just this life right here. There's more to uh, this, this, just this world right here. Uh, but until that happens, until Jesus comes back to take us home, we are going to be facing in the last days craziness. And I think we're seeing it. I think it's plain in plain view. You know, I normally post the, um, I normally post the the weekly Watchmen, which is videos from. Uh, you know, Bible teachers and prophecy teachers. And I usually post that like on Tuesday night and uh, over on Ed That Matters. And, uh, you know, they're always saying now, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's like, if we're not in the last days, what is the last days going to look like, right? I mean, it's, it's so crazy out there. And uh, so anyway, uh, I know I've gone long on that, but a uh, lot to think about there. Um, you know, we're living in a culture that... Um, that's broken. I mean, really, uh, it, it's broken. And uh, the United States and the America, uh, maybe that even some of us grew up in. And if you're a little bit older than me, the you know that you grew up in. You know, a lot of people look back and say, "Man, if we could just go back to those days, man, those days aren't coming, right? Those days aren't going to be there, and they're never going to be here again." And so, uh, you know, it could be that the days that we are in right now are the best that we we are going to experience you know, going into the future. That's that's one way to look at it. One way to celebrate what we have right now and and uh, live every day to the fullest that we can because, you know, the way it is right now is is that might be the best that we have it. And uh, that's pretty sad to think about that. Um, but uh, again, for those of us who are believers, we know that we're looking forward to uh, a future that's not just here. This is not all there is. So anyway, um, let me go ahead and stop there. I'm just going to continue going on. Uh, I'm going to stop and move on to the next one. Um, again, so that was uh, over at theorganicprepper.com. This next article is, uh, I think this is a good one. Uh, and I think this is one that you um, you might even want to go check this one out and maybe read a little bit more slowly and uh, very interesting because if you have friends or, or you have family members who uh, don't believe in preparedness, you're going to get some scenarios here and some maybe some ideas to bring up and to talk about. Um, and they might be a little too rough for them. 
but uh, maybe some of them uh, some of them might not be but uh, very eye-opening here a little bit of a longer article but I think it's really great so let's go ahead and get right into this one okay so I don't think I introduced this article I it's coming from <laughs> in my in my um, desire to start reading it I forgot to introduce it it's coming to us from readynutrition.com and the title of the article is how horrific will it be for the non-prepper all right so let's go ahead and uh, get into this one now I have become personally so disenchanted with the way people fail to prep people still don't understand how important it is to put away I've gotten into arguments over this and had cretins call me a fool because I put away food water and supplies I thought about this and the frustration that other preppers have with this laid-back idiotic attitude that there is no need for preparation. There are good people that just can't or won't start prepping. They have the money to do so, but just don't want to. Many have only seen what happens to non-preppers on TV, but it still doesn't make an impact. In this article, I detail some hardcore realities to show how awful it will, it will be for those that don't prep. Every one of these scenarios is something that has occurred to the non-prepper throughout history. While strong images come to mind, the purpose is to jar some people out of their inaction and into action before it is too late. Preppers are good people and care much about those around them. And unless something does jar them around them that choose not to prep, their own survival chances could be reduced. For every bit of food, water, ammunition, or supplies you sacrifice to the non-prepper, the fewer irreplaceable supplies are left for you and your family in a crisis situation. It is hoped that the following can help certain people put the true perspective just how horrific it will be for those that don't prepare. Here are the awful consequences for those refusing to prep. As the world continues to decay at multiple facets, the common person has an has and continues to be lulled into a sense that everything is improving and will continue to for the distant future. After all, to them, unemployment has peaked out and will drop until everyone that wants to work will easily be able to find good-paying work. North Korea is no threat because all their long-range bottle rockets fizz out. Sanctions will eventually make Iran give up their nuclear program. Oil prices will start going down after June or so. And Europe will bail out Greece and Spain and everyone else and U.S. debt will eventually come under control. After 2012, everyone that has prepared themselves will go back to more sensible lives. Good times are coming. Baseball season is here. Let's get back to watching some more Cracker Jack news. It is amazing how people become good conversationalists with most others discussing all the gossip related news while becoming mentally tranquilized into a totally deceptive state of denial of truly dangerous issues of the times. It's the blind leading the blind right off the cliff. Rather than dealing with harsh reality, people surround themselves with easy-to-digest material that can be talked about without directly influencing any, anyone's lives. Meaningless chatter. Even for those unwilling to even think to prepare for a societal catastrophic event, there is also no desire to even face the extreme possibility of a sudden loss of one's employment, a personal SHTF. Look at some of the terrible personal pain experienced in America right now, and it hasn't even hit the fan on a grand scale. Those people who have lived it up on credit, who failed to put much of anything away for a rainy day, who've lost their job and who eventually lost their unemployment benefits, are experiencing the first level of collapse. 
This is happening to millions of people in our own country all around us as we speak. These Americans, who once enjoyed the luxuries that modern living had to offer, are now at their wit's end with very little hope for a return to the previous life. Many have to humiliatingly turn to others for help to pay for food or worse to obtain old, unhealthy, and poor-tasting food from locally funded food banks. Their credit cards are totally worthless. Many have been evicted from their homes and have uprooted their families to live either on the street in tent cities with relatives or have been forced to live at homeless shelters. They've had their vehicles repossessed or simply can't afford the gasoline anymore. Their living conditions often make it difficult, if not impossible, to look presentable for job interviews. For many, the life of stability they knew just a short while ago is gone, replaced with fear and a constant stress to the point of nervous breakdown. A personal economic meltdown is confined to the individual or family, or at worst, a few families. The human civilization remains intact, and so do society's safety nets. With food assistance, rental assistance, homeless shelters, and family to turn to, even the most destitute are almost always able to find some sort of help, however menial. It is no wonder with these known assistance programs, then, that people have forgotten or never thought to consider what happens if and when human civilization goes through a strong enough SHTF event. If that happens on a mass scale, what happens to everyone that needs help that has not prepared ahead of time? What happens when governments are in such total disarray or destroyed altogether that they can't help even if they wanted to? The media and others have portrayed the good people that sacrifice much, if not all luxuries of life, to prepare themselves and their family and friends for extreme times as chicken littles. Those who have made the choice to store up emergency food, water, and other necessities to avoid extreme life-threatening risks include suffering horribly during and after a widespread SHTF event, are laughed at and ridiculed often for wasting their lives on delusional paranoia. But who is delusional? Those who see the signs around them and understand how vulnerable the system is? Or those who believe that things never change? The politicians have their best interest at heart and that if the worst happens, the government will be there to provide everything they may need. How many have considered the dire consequences of their failure to prepare in the event that the infrastructure and everything a country's people depend on totally collapses? The misery from long-term unemployment and lack of money is like a walk in the park compared to the severe anguish and dangerous conditions that await those who have failed to prepare for the aftermath of a large-scale cataclysm. The minor problems of unemployment that seem extremely major and painful to most today should serve as a wake-up call to what life will be like when something much, much worse happens, when those proverbial safety nets are no longer there to catch us. Many preppers have become deeply frustrated at those around them, especially those that truly mean something to them because they simply refuse to put away anything at all for emergencies. The prepper is usually a person that cares a lot, and it is often difficult for them to take a tough stance towards the people that they care about. However, unless someone changes the habits of those people that fail to get ready, decisions will need to be made, and they won't be easy. The choice of what the prepared prepper should do will boil down to either adding these people to their own circle or survival group and reduce the group's safety, supply, and self-sufficiency, or they will have to let the non-prepper fend for themselves. 
This is very person. This is a very personal choice, and each of us will need to decide based on our own morals, ethics, and personal relationships. As a last-ditch effort, discussing the following scenarios with the non-prepper may help them understand what life will be like without what has sustained them so comfortably for so long. This is the hard reality the non-prepper needs to understand. Without power, the water company cannot get water to their faucets. Without water, dehydration occurs within 24 hours. Dehydration causes much suffering before death. Toilets in home, unless they have an incineration toilet that still needs power to work, don't flush without water. Where will they go to the bathroom and then where will they dispose of human waste? There will be no clean water available anywhere, especially in major cities, and they cannot live more than about three days without it. Drinking dirty and polluted water will make them incredibly sick and accelerate the dehydration process. Polluted water must be purified and that means having a good filter bleach, or other disinfectants, or fuel and something to boil water with. Understand just how fragile the power and the infrastructure is that pumps water to the public. A breakdown in our power infrastructure or a cyber attack against utility systems will render them useless. A single event can rapidly lead to a cascade of other events that would certainly collapse almost, if not everything. This is why major snowstorms, hurricanes, or solar events in the past have affected millions of people in an entire region all at once. A single, seemingly unimportant event may become quite terrible as its repercussions spread. This, in, this can include a far and away disaster. Understand that the economies of the world are so interwoven that when one major economy fails, it affects everyone. Not having any food in the house means that if the stores are emptied suddenly in a bad enough situation that there will be no food available for a long period of time afterwards. Recent history of disasters around the world has shown that stores can literally be emptied in minutes. Think about how totally horrible the feeling of being very hungry is and what circumstances would cause one to be desperate enough to eat anything. All stores can be closed instantly under martial law. Understand that you may not be able to purchase anything after it starts, especially with any credit cards. Understand the complexity of food and water distribution. Breaks in these chains can stop anything from getting to the people. What life will be like if no toilet paper is stored. Understand what without light sources the night will be pitch black, often with zero visibility. There will be no communications other than probably martial law type of instructions over the radio. That is, if they have batteries for the radio. Other than ham and shortwave radio, any information that is available will be sent out by the government as filtered propaganda that they want everyone to hear. Without power, consider what it will be like to not have any heat to stay warm or air-conditioned air to stay cooler, with no way of alleviating the situation. Traveling will likely be by foot or bicycle, and there will be no fuel and roadways may be blocked. Realize that any travel outside of the home or neighborhood will be extremely dangerous as anyone who moves becomes a target. Non-preppers will be pushed way beyond their limit because of lack of supplies. The non-prepper must realize their government does not really care about them individually, that they are mere, a mere number and help will likely not come from them. They have to figure out somewhere to get food. This can mean wild plants, which they must know how to identify as safe or risk poisoning themselves. 
They have to understand that when we refer to having no food, it doesn't mean not having the food they are used to enjoying. It means no food at all. They have to understand that if they are fortunate enough to have any running water, they will probably have to bathe in cold water for lack of stored fuel to heat water. They have to realize that the very strange and totally unexpected is going to be all around them, made that much worse because of a lack of any reliable self-defense stores or skills. They might have to remain on the run constantly because of looking for food and water. They must understand that bad will be magnified magnitudes to living misery because of lack of food, water, and other necessary items that they took for granted for so long. Okay, now comes the truly ugly and unthinkable life that most, if not all, people that have failed and refused to prepare themselves will deal with. Clear, vivid visualizations is key here for anyone that ho-hums the idea of preparing. What horrors will they likely face? After a cave-in of their national economy, war, geophysical upheaval, or whatever crisis is bad enough to disturb or stop their nation from working and functioning, there are plenty of very potential SHTF events that are simply awaiting a catalyst to trigger them. The non-prepper has to realize right off the bat that 9-11 and other emergency calls in will be met with silence or some recording telling the caller not to panic. The non-prepper that has no reliable self-defense that can stop an attacker will not get help from public services and will become a victim of rape, assault, torture, or murder. The non-prepper that has no reliable self-defense and will not only be at the mercy of criminal elements but also have to contend with many desperate animals, some with rabies. The non-prepper that has no food will either have to find food or be ready to beg for food or worse, like sacrificing their bodies or horrible acts or things to get a bite of food. And guys, that like I already said that earlier, that's happening in, Ve- in Venezuela. The non-prepper will have to go through the worst, most rancid conditions of garbage to just maybe find what they should have stored up. And if you remember when that super storm hit New Jersey, uh, that uh, there was pictures of people going through, uh, going through dumpsters. All right. The non-prepper will go through panic and near, if not total psychosis, looking for any water source right before their bodies begin shutting down during advanced stages of dehydration. The non-prepper will go through unbearable trauma when their children and other people around them are crying, screaming, and suffering from intense hunger pains in their stomachs. The non-prepper will have to deal with the awful stench of rotting waste from many sources because they have not taken the effort to even store up waste disposal plastic bags. The non-prepper will have disease and pathogens everywhere, not only because they have no trash disposal means, but because they haven't prepared how to deal with trash and waste. The non-prepper will have to live in very primitive conditions after things around them deteriorate rapidly because they have neglected to put away anything to make life more bearable. The non-prepper and those around them will likely develop all sorts of infective skin rashes from the lack of insight of storing up toilet paper. Imagine the smell for a moment. The non-prepper will have to handle biting insects and other vermin that will collect amongst the filth that will pile up. No pest control stored up along with no other supplies. The non-prepper will have no way of treating sickness certain to follow an SHTF event. No first aid and likely no training or knowledge about how to treat the ill on top of this. The non-prepper will have sick and dying people around them because of not being able to treat minor injuries. Didn't even stock up on disinfectives. Unsanitary conditions lead to infection. 
The non-prepper and others around them will experience much grief as they watch helplessly as their family members literally die of starvation right in front of their eyes. The non-prepper won't believe how desperate hunger drives them and those that mean everything to them to trying to eat food that tastes so bad it gags them and comes back up. The non-prepper will likely have family and friends around them that have also not prepared committing suicide because they can't take it any longer. The non-prepper will witness some of those people around them lose any sense of civilized humanity in them and behave like wild animals after some time from lack of necessities. The non-prepper and family members, maybe friends also, will at some point end up barbecuing or eating raw the family dog, cat, bird, and pet deer to everyone for food. Actually, this reminds me of something that Fernando uh, Aguirre said, or Furfa, who uh, who has a, he has a you know popular video, uh, a YouTube channel, and uh, the Modern Survivalist uh, com, I believe, is is his website. Um, he talked about in Argentina that you know don't worry about you know, like okay, so you know that the collapse is really serious when you don't see stray dogs anymore and you don't see stray cats anymore, right? He said, when you don't see those those running around the neighborhood, you know it's bad. And in Venezuela, there was, and it's already, it's been a while already, people went into the zoo and they killed animals that were living in the zoo and ate them because they were starving. And so, I mean, come on, uh, you know, people will, will do that. All right, so moving on. The non-prepper will likely get into physical fights with other family members over any scrap of food available as rational thoughts are lost to wanton wanton hunger. The non-prepper, as many other non-preppers, will eventually go out of any safety of their home looking for food and or water, become disoriented and lost, and die a hard death somewhere. The non-prepper that is lucky enough to find some government help will likely have to almost sell their soul, probably all their freedom to get tiny rations just enough to keep them alive. The non-prepper will see widespread violence and barbarism that will shock them to the core and will wish that they had purchased some form of firearm and stocked up on ammunition. The non-prepper better get used to attempting to explain the chill to the children and other adults why they wasted all that money on junk and didn't buy any emergency food and other supplies. The non-prepper, no matter how positive they are, will drop quickly into depression and lose willpower as having nothing to hold on to does does this, along with lack of any nutrition. The non-prepper will feel the worst guilt imaginable as they hear their family moaning in anguish from lack of anything to eat, knowing they could have done something to prepare. The non-prepper will most likely not see the rebuilding and recovery after an SHTF event. They will, like almost all non-preppers, be statistics. Some will die hours or days before help arrives. The non-prepper from lack of food, drinking bad water, no light at night, the horrid smells, no good self-defense, the overall horror will often be paralyzed with fear and despair, blank stare. The non-prepper is totally helpless after SHTF, will have to rely totally on charity of those prepared to live. They will take all sorts of desperate measures likely to get them shot. They'll attempt to eat hazardous foods like an animal trapped in a house will do and get sick and suffer much before dying. The non-prepper will likely die ugly and hard as they lived unprepared for anything. If we were to use one single word to describe the torments that someone who chooses not to prepare will go through after a true you-know-what hits the fan, it would be preventable. Almost every single person, even a very poor person, has the capacity to put away emergency food and supplies. 
Even homeless people have stashes of something just in case things become so bad that the normal handouts and thrown away items dry up. Many people with good sources of income don't even have an extra can of food or any water put away at all. This is stupidity beyond words. Everyday lightweight disasters happen in all parts of the world that disturb services enough that people are confined to their homes for a certain amount of time. While recovery is short, people are still uncomfortable during these times. Look what happens after a power outage at night and you will be mystified at how many homes are completely dark for hours. People have not even bought an extra couple of candles or any battery-operated light sources. Even in well-to-do neighborhoods, you may hear only a lone generator going after a blackout. This lack of preparedness is truly frightening and plays itself out again, again, and again every time services are disrupted for minor to major reasons. It's all as if there is something wrong with storing extra food, water, and supplies. Even after lessons played out to what happens to those non-prepared, most people still feel that it just cannot, they cannot happen to them or won't ever happen to them again. It should be proof enough to people what happens to those unprepared after disasters simply by looking at those that have gone through it firsthand. The difference, though, comes in that these disasters have had recovery periods and help from others. Even Haiti received some help and conditions remain putrid over there. After a true SHTF, it is presumable that government help and others coming to the aid of those in need won't happen for long periods of time. During that time, those that have chosen to not put food, water, and necessities away are going to be in life-threatening positions. Most people just don't get that when the supermarket shelves are empty, they will stay that way for an extended period. When the utilities go down, especially water, it may be weeks, months, or longer before they come back, if ever. Without what someone needs to survive each day, it is not going to magically appear. And depending on the goodwill of others to feed them and sacrifice their own family's survival, chances is a terrible choice. People must know that life will be like after SHTF in mega fashion if they refuse to prepare. This is not new. Terrible events have plunged people into the deepest levels of desperation and hopelessness and they will happen again and again. While the above consequences to the non-prepper are extremely abysmal for anyone to read, the simple fact of the matter is that they have already happened time and time again to those that have nothing put away. People have resorted to cannibalism and gone to levels of primitive savage behavior out of sheer desperation and out of literally losing their minds to the physical depletion of food and water that keeps the physical body operating. Sometimes showing the extreme severity and results of a person's lack of action, such as failure of the simple act of putting away extra food, water, and supplies, can be the kick in the complacency that they need. It's really easy to put away food and supplies. All one has to do is add a little bit of extra food to the grocery cart for long-term storage. Over time, this adds up to a well-stocked pantry of supplies. There is something that is in a can of food that everyone can eat and enjoy the taste of. So talk to family members about their nutritional preferences and start stocking up. Toilet paper and other supplies that really don't have any expiration date can be put away and forgotten about till needed. There must be common sense and intelligence to see what happens if they don't stock up for the future. There has to be the desire to get started. And this is the real problem with so many. Once started, however, prepping becomes a type of life-saving routine or positive lifestyle habit. It is easy and can and will save one from misery. It may save their life and the lives of their family from ruin with SHTF, which is almost inevitably going to happen someday. 
Every month and year that goes by without a true SHTF event makes it more, more likely that it will happen. Basic statistical chances show this to be the case, but people continue the same pattern of behavior that has led them to the same devastation countless times before. For those preppers that have people around them that refuse to prepare, you can at least have some degree of solace knowing that you tried to show the non-prepping person what not having anything will mean to them and their families. All we can do is try. Once we've given it our best shot, all we can do is let those who have been warned about the direness of the possibilities live their lives the way they want to. They will, unfortunately, live in a world of regret and suffering if the nation and the world falls apart around them. To every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. Preppers will see their efforts have been more than worth it. Objects that are motionless tend to remain motionless and non-preppers will find there are horrific consequences for their lack of effort and motions to put away life insurance preps for themselves and their families. All right, guys, long article there and probably doesn't need a lot of uh, commentary. Uh, I said a few words as we went and I'm not going to say too much here. But, you know, one of the things, if you have family members who who are not prepping or maybe you don't want to bring it up because you don't want to look like, you know, uh, a kook or whatever. Right. Um, Use what's going on right now in Venezuela. Uh, You know, do a little bit of research. Do do go to Google, go to a search engine, do some research on Venezuela on like how people are really living and the desperate needs over there. You know, all the bleeding heart liberals that we have here in America don't talk about that at all. The, the, the mainstream media will not talk about that at all. Uh, you can talk about Haiti and talk about their government and how, you know, I've, I've had friends that are, have gone over there on mission trips and, and, you know, they've got to uh, be careful how they do things because the government is so corrupt. If they bring in any kind of real supplies that, you know, that the, the government sees and they want, they will take it. And so they got to be very careful about that. But I, I think Venezuela is a is a perfect example of being able to point to, uh, you know, a, a collapse scenario and what happens to people. You can talk about, you know, the, the me- medical situation. You can talk about the lack of food. You can talk about the lack of toilet paper and diapers and fem- feminine hygiene products. You can talk about the, you know, all of that, the lack of medicine and, you know, all those basic needs that, that are very, very important. Life doesn't go on. I mean, you, you get into this survival mode. And so there are many, many people over there in survival mode. And you can use that to get to start talking about it. like, hey, man, I read this article on Venezuela or, hey, have you heard about what's going on over there? And, and you know, and then you can just very easily transition to that. You know, what if that happened here? You know, uh, you know, what if that happened? You know, what would you do? And like, oh, you, they might come back with that wouldn't happen here. This is America, blah, blah, blah. And then you can you can always come back with, hey, what what if let's just what if it did happen? I'm sure the people in Venezuela didn't think that it would happen to them. At one point, they were a very, very rich country. You know, they're oil rich, tropical climate, all that stuff. You know, they probably didn't think that it would happen, you know. And so you could kind of bring that topic up that way. That's what I would use. I always, you know, tend to use, you know, what's happened, like Hurricane Harvey, uh, you know, those types of things. And, and bring those things up to people and see what they, you know, see how they respond. If, if you get a little bit of responses where they're, they're thoughtful and they're thinking about it and maybe, you know, asking some questions or whatever, then, then you can go on with more, Right. If they are so dismissive that they don't like, man, that's stupid, that's dumb, 
Why are you why are you even looking at that stuff? Then okay, you you tried, right? And, and and you know, unless you just beat them over the head with, dude, you know, you need to get, you know, some food storage and water and you know, you need this is very very important. Don't be stupid. You know, a lot of the times they're they're not going to uh, to bend anyway. So again, that's over at readynutrition.com and uh, the title is how horrific will it be for the non-prepper? A uh, good article, long article, maybe one that you want to go and think and reflect on uh, over there. Uh, good stuff. All right, guys, uh, it's been a long podcast. I appreciate you hanging out with me. Thanks so much. Uh, I do love when I'm able to connect with you on social media and the, so I make it very easy for you over on uh, over at theprepperwebsitepodcast.com to, uh, to connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And uh, so if you uh, you haven't done that, loved uh, for you to be over there. And, uh, you know, you can always send me an email as well. And you can always come over to the prepper website podcast.com and leave me a comment in the in one of the comment sections uh, of the episodes. Uh, you know, I appreciate that as well. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.